Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The 2019 draft preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by MyBookie. You know, since I joined the Armchair Media Network and started working with MyBookie, I get asked all sorts of questions about who to bet on and who to bet with. I don't always know who to bet on, but I do know where to go to place those wages, and the answer is MyBookie. Between their live in-game betting, endless props, and fantasy sports wagers, there's something for everybody to get in on. With the best player perks in the sports book business, they've been good to us, and we know they'll be good to you. They're hooking up all my listeners this month. Visit mybookie.ag and use the promo code BEARS100 when creating your account to claim your 50% deposit bonus. Laying down $100, now you've got an extra $50 in play. That's mybookie, M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E dot A-G, promo code BEARS100. Mybookie, you play, you win, you get paid. The 2019 NFL Draft preview episode is also brought to you by SeatGeek. Our new friends at SeatGeek, leave me a second to introduce you to them. Let them take the confusion out of your ticket buying experience. Instead of shopping dozens of sites to find the best deal, let SeatGeek do the work for you. Their app scans the web for the best deals to your favorite game, concert, or show and rates them on a scale of 0 to 10 to let you know if you're getting the best bang for your buck. A green dot marks great deals, yellow dot means good deals, red dot, not so good. Use promo code ACAA as an armchair All-Americans at checkout to receive $20 off your first purchase. That's two free beers at the stadium on them. Who's paying 10 bucks for beer? I'm a hot dog. I don't like beer. I'm a hot dog. That's four hot dogs. That sounds much better to me. So what are you waiting for? That's promo code ACAA for $20 off your first purchase. SeatGeek, life's an event. We have the tickets. And here we are. We're getting ever so close to that NFL draft. So I brought our good friend, friend of the show. He's been a friend of mine for a very long time, Scott Wright from DraftCountdown.com to help us preview this draft. And I had to lean on him pretty heavy because God knows because the Bears aren't picking until 87 this year, I have really not been paying much of atten- much attention at all to the draft process. So let's get into it. Me and Scott Wright talking about the 2019 NFL Draft. It's still an important part of the offseason, but not quite as highly anticipated for me this year because the Bears, for the first time in a long time, not picking in the top 10, so we don't have to buy the draft guides and watch Path the Draft on NFL Network to see who's going to be sitting there at 8 or 9 or 11 or 3, God forbid, uh, when the Bears are picking in the first round. Instead, we are sitting and waiting patiently for our pick to come to us at 87, unless uh, Ryan Pace, who is not allergic to moving up in the draft, uh, gets crafty uh, somehow and, and moves his way up into the draft and then maybe the Bears might make a choice uh, before 87. But if not, we got a long wait ahead of us. It's going to be late on Friday before the Bears are picking next week. And uh, I, for one, am excited. I still love the draft, even though I got to wait forever to see my guys play. What's going on, everybody? Larry D. back for the 2019 draft preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground. And our good friend Scott Wright from DraftCountdown.com will be joining us here momentarily to help us preview the draft. And like I said, I I, I had to lean pretty heavy on on Scott uh, for his help here uh, because, um, you know, I just it's it's like I said it's 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 still an important part of the the offseason process uh it's still an event one that I look forward to uh watching got a big night next Thursday when when the when the draft uh hits I'm 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 I'm, I'm hunkering down I'm gonna get some good food I'm gonna sit down in my chair I'm gonna watch the draft and then uh because I'm a crazy person and don't want to have any chance of having it spoiled for me 
I am going out to a early screening of Avengers Endgame uh, next Thursday. I already have my ticket, the eleven fifteen show, because I'm like I said, I'm bananas insane. So I'm gonna go to an eleven fifteen show for a three-hour movie next Thursday night after I get done watching about two and a half to three hours of the NFL draft. So uh, yeah, so. I'm going to be dead on my feet next Friday when I go to work in the morning, but I will be a thoroughly entertained dead on my feet guy because I will have seen the end of this chapter in the MCU. And of course I will have watched the first round and all of their fireworks in the NFL draft. So, I mean, it's still something I look forward to deeply, but as I said, it's not something that I followed closely because I don't think we're going to really know the name of the guy that the Bears end up picking at 87. Maybe we'll have heard of him, but we won't know him like we knew a Roquan Smith or a Leonard Floyd or, a, you know, Mitch Trubisky or anything like that. Uh, you know, guys that had been talked about throughout the process uh, in these, uh, you know, leading up to the uh, into the draft. So um, you'll hear my t- conversation with with Scott. I talked to him last night uh, on Wednesday uh, to prepare for this uh, for this show and um it's uh it's it was a good conversation i mean he gave us a lot of good information as he always does and we'll also be looking to to have him back which i think is the more important show a couple of weeks from now when we review the draft and he can tell us more about these guys that we uh that we selected uh over draft weekend and um really looking forward to that conversation because then we'll have the names we'll know who they are and scott wright can tell us hey you guys got got great value here ryan pace really knows what he's doing so on and so forth great depth blah 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 and uh you know hopefully that's what the conversation will sound like as opposed to i don't know pace kind of reached for this guy had a fifth ground grade on him and he took him early in the third and blah 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 blah. so we'll see but uh nonetheless uh it's a time of year it's it's a such a bittersweet time of year uh as well because uh, and we'll get to some news and notes here in just a second um you know the nfl schedule came out yesterday and um which is hilarious because they announced on tuesday that it was being released on wednesday and then from the moment that it was announced it was coming out on tuesday i knew who the bears were playing when they were playing them all 16 games all 17 weeks before the schedule was released at seven o'clock uh, last night here at Central Time, so uh, yeah, it if it's the worst kept secret in sports. Once the announcement is made, like once the NFL has a schedule selected, I listened to the Peter King podcast this morning, and he had the four or five people that locked themselves in this little tiny room and put the schedule together. They spend months doing it. Over 64,000 versions of the NFL schedule were looked at and toiled over and, uh, you know, trying to get these matchups right and so on and so forth and and, and all the rest of that stuff. And <laughs> they finally, the, they, the, it was like 64,800 uh schedules were generated by one machine or the next and it was the 64,511th schedule that was the one that was the winner that's the one that will be making history uh this fall when the NFL kicks off its 100th season with our beloved Chicago Bears and the Green Bay Packers and the show dedicated to the NFL schedule will be Monday let's just say Monday and I say Monday because I want to put a schedule together like uh, on photoshop as i have done uh in years past i got a really great idea for one so i'm going to put it together and once i get that done then i'll record the show and do the schedule release show it will definitely be out before the draft uh, comes i guarantee it it might come even earlier on saturday maybe sunday uh if i get uh if i get uh if i make good progress in putting the schedule uh together but nonetheless that is coming the schedule release show will go through game by game the storylines the impacts the timing of each game and, and how it looks and uh and so on and so forth so it's i'm really looking forward uh to that excited about this schedule so we've got some really great games a lot of national tv dates and a lot of like america's game of the week time slots the bears are at three o'clock several times throughout the schedule and not just because we're playing west coast teams uh but because 
they're being put in a spot to be seen by more people. That's that's what's ha- that's what happens to the Bears when they win. All of a sudden, the demand for them goes through the goes through the roof. A team that I scheduled like maybe one or two national TV games a year ago now has already has five, and with flexing, could potentially have a, a couple of more. So uh, we'll talk about that uh, in a few more days uh, when I do the schedule release show. But uh, speaking of uh, schedule releases, the preseason schedule has been released uh the bears week one will take will will open up at home against the carolina panthers week one so that's super exciting week one matchup with the uh, panthers week two will be on the road at the giants week three the dress rehearsal game or as far as matt nagy is concerned the uh play the starters for three and a half quarters game uh will be at indianapolis against the colts and then we will finish out the year against finish out the year, finish out the preseason week four at home against the Tennessee Titans. So if you're a Bears uh, season ticket holder, you're kind of getting the raw end of the deal here because you're getting week one where the starters may not play at all. And then you're getting week four where, you know, the starters aren't playing at all. So it probably won't be until that Thursday night game against the Packers a week later that you actually get to see Trubisky and Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks and Roquan and uh, all those guys actually take the field for some serious reps because the more important preseason games are are on the road. So the Bears won't be at home uh, for week two or the dress rehearsal week three. So, yeah, got a raw deal if you're a season ticket holder. You got the two least favorable uh, preseason games that uh, that you have tickets for. Uh, and we're on the road for the ones that people actually pay attention to. So yay for that. Um, and as far as uh, acquisitions, uh, the Bears have signed yet another kicker. Lucky number three, uh, I would say. Three is one of my lucky numbers. Um, uh, Elliot Fry, formerly of South Carolina and the AAF, that uh, would, if it still existed, would be entering either its, I think it would be the last week of the season or the first week of the playoffs, one of the two. I don't remember. doesn't matter because the, the league folded. You know, it's too bad that it went down that way, but uh, it did. And uh, all these guys are looking for jobs, and Elliot Fry is a kicker for the Chicago Bears now, joining Redford Jones and Chris Blue-A, according to Matt Nagy. Not Blue-It, the way it's spelled, but Blue-A is how it's supposed to be. But apparently it's French or something like that. But three kickers coming into camp. Uh, three kickers going into uh, OTA workouts, the voluntary uh, workouts that started this week uh, at Hallis Hall, and I think attendance was 100%. I, d- I didn't hear about anybody not showing up uh, to the workouts. I think maybe even Anthony Miller, who is uh, you know, the only one on the team recovering from significant injury with that shoulder uh, surgery, um, I think even he uh, was there uh, this week. I didn't hear any reports about no one about anyone not showing up uh, to the camps uh, this week. So uh, that is uh, good news. Um, And as we mentioned before, the Bears are picking at 87 uh, this year. And there was an article that came out last week on uh, uh, Chicago Sports 24-7 about the last 10 picks at that spot. And there are some interesting names uh, at the uh, number 87 spot. Uh, In 2010, Eric Decker, the wide receiver, uh, went to college at Minnesota, drafted by Denver, had some good years catching passes from Peyton Manning and, uh, you know, went on to do some things in with the Jets and I think finished his career last year with the Tennessee Titans was taken at 87. Uh, Jordan Hill, a defensive tackle for the uh, Seattle Seahawks, uh, was drafted at 87. Uh, Sammy Coates, the wide receiver from Auburn, played some good downs. I think he's still with the Steelers. Uh, right now, Davis Webb, the quarterback from Cal, drafted by the New York Giants at number 87. And then last year, 87 was originally the Rams pick, but I forgot or I didn't know, actually. They actually traded down to 89 uh, with the Raiders. So it was the Raiders who selected Arden Key, defensive end from LSU, who at one point uh, was a was slated to be a first-round pick, but I guess he didn't I think it was maybe some injuries and some you know not that great play his senior season that uh, bumped him down to 87. But those are some of the names drafted at 87. So, you know, maybe we might get somebody pretty good at 87. Fingers crossed. 
And um, yeah, oh God, I had to mention this because um, <laughs> I, when I read the article, I thought it was like an April Fool's joke or something like that. Jason Lock and Fora, who you guys know I'm a huge fan of, by the way, uh, the guy who, who lives to hate on Trubisky and, and, and what have you, actually gave Trubisky a little bit of praise in a, in a recent article where he was um, ranking the quarterbacks in the league by, by tiers tier one tier two tier three uh and so on last year in 2018 uh he had um trubisky in the bottom tier number seven you can't get any lower than that i don't even know if it had a category um but the other two names in tier seven josh allen the quarterback from the bills and uh this guy i don't know if you heard of him patrick mahomes who only was the mvp of the league which shows you <laughs> exactly how much this idiot knows just just stick to the tidbits man the insider information that's what you do don't analyze obviously you suck at it, it it's really apparent but this year he bumped uh trubisky up a few notches to tier number four and tier number four was listed you can win with them and when i saw that i almost fell out of my chair this guy who said chase daniel was the best quarterback on our roster he is the one you can win with Trubisky are you serious but uh, that's what he said he still sounds like somewhat of a skeptic but actually had to admit that Trubisky actually played much much better under Nagy the first year than he probably expected him to and um, you know but also kind of gave a backhanded but I must see consistency and if that defense falters even a little you know dot 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 that's how that conversation ended but uh, the other guys in Tier 4 with Trubisky, Kirk Cousins, Matt Stafford, Dak Prescott, Derek Carr, and Jameis, Jameis Winston, and Nick Foles. So not bad company to keep for the most part. Um, Carr and Prescott, Stafford, Cousin, Foles, uh, good company. Jameis Winston, I don't know if you can win with Jameis Winston, but that's for the pewter gas, pewter cast guys to talk about, uh, not us. And then uh, finally... I know you guys are dying to know, so I'm going to go ahead and share it with you. Yes, I saw the New York Jets uh, reveal their their uniforms. Uh, I think it was last week or the week before. And uh, I do like them. I actually like them a lot. Uh, I like the green, going back to the all green. And um, I, like the, I like the color of the helmet. I do not like the finish. I, the, the, the almost chrome, like very shiny finish. I, it, didn't, it just didn't quite pop for me and um i also did not don't like the logo on the helmet it's actually it's just a football that says jets over the top of it it's i was hoping that there would actually be a a jet kind of like there used to be on their uh, on their old uh, green helmets but uh, they went with uh, a very um you know not a big fan of of the helmet logo love the helmet the green helmet with the great with the green with the the black face mask i should say but i think maybe they should have gone with more of like a, just a regular finish or maybe even a flat finish kind of like the um the vikings have the flat finish where nothing kind of reflects off of it or anything like that it's very flat i like the way it looks but um the uniform in general thumbs up it, it doesn't happen often that when a team switches to new uniforms and they have this new look and everything that you are like it i dig it the the green tops and the white bottoms they look good not a fan of the black uniform really didn't really like the black head to toe uh uni i like the white you know home and away uh, uniforms i think look pretty good and uh we'll see what what happens uh with the uniforms and how they mess around with the combinations but uh i knew you guys were dying to know just because i am the the foremost uniform snob uh in in the podcast world so uh i do like the new jets uni and um unfortunately we won't get to see it until what 2022 i think that's when we get to play the the afc east again but uh nonetheless should be cool we'll uh we'll wait and see how that uh how that goes unless the jets make it to the super bowl then who knows stranger things have happened i don't know if it's that strange but yeah it could happen uh anyway i think that's all we got uh for now 
I'm going to go ahead and bring our good friend Scott Wright in to help us preview the 2019 NFL Draft and talk to us about who might be there at 87, where the Bears should be looking, and, and talk about the draft in general, how last year was the year of the quarterback. We're going to have five or six guys go in the first round, and everything is going to fall, and, and people are going to fall because people teams are tripping over themselves to trade up and get guys and blah, 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 blah. What, what is the story of this year? Where's the heavy, the, you know, the heavy, uh, or excuse me, the, the more powerful uh, players? Where are we deepest? Where are we weakest? So on and so forth. Lots of great information from our good friend Scott Wright from DraftCountdown.com. So without further ado, let's get into it. And here we are once again. It is Christmas in April. As for our friend Scott Wright from Draft Countdown, he's back to join us once again to help us preview the 2019 draft. And we're going to 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 lean heavily on his knowledge of the draft and the young men that will be joining the NFL this year because the guy that's going to be taken at 87 by the Bears, we've probably never heard of before. Scott, welcome back to the show, man. Oh, it's good to be back, and and even though the Bears don't pick till '87, they're going to get a really good player there, and and I wouldn't be surprised if there is a player or two left on the board that at one point in the process were being mentioned as a first round pick. So uh, this is a deep class, and uh, you're going to be able to get good players third, fourth, fifth, sixth round, and and really throughout. All right, well I'm already liking this, so that's great. Um, talk to me in general about this draft. I mean, obviously last year. It was all about the quarterbacks with five or six, was it five or six that went in the first round last year? Five of them. Five of them. Okay, yep. Lamar Jackson being the last at number 32. But, I mean, it's like people had a tough time kind of pegging how the draft order was going to go. I mean, pretty much people had a solid idea, but nobody knew you know, who was going to trade up, who was going to trade down, where these quarterbacks were going to go. But that's not the story of this year's draft. Pretty much the story of the draft right now is Kyler Murray, and will Arizona take him number one and trade Sam Rosen away or what they're going to do? What's what's your take on, on, on how this draft is going to go down this year? Yeah, and I think one of the reasons you saw teams so aggressive for quarterbacks last year is because they saw a kind of a weak crop coming this year, and I think that is – has borne out and and you mentioned josh rosen from the cardinals if he becomes available on the trade market you can get him for a second round pick as has been rumored i would rather have josh rosen every day of the week and twice on sunday for a second round pick as opposed to taking one of these signal callers in the first round that's not saying there's not some good players but uh just for perspective uh dwayne haskins from ohio state is my top quarterback in this draft Hmm. but i think i have him number 18 overall so if he had been in last year's class he would have been quarterback four maybe five so uh definitely not very top heavy but the the nice thing about this quarterback class is it's deeper than we're accustomed to seeing Hmm. uh there's legitimately guys that are going to be available third fourth fifth round that that have some potential whereas i remember the year james winston and marcus mariota came out it was kind of two guys and then it dropped off a cliff right so so there are some options and some intriguing guys this year but i think we're going to see four quarterbacks in the first round starting with kyler murray from oklahoma going number one to arizona uh probably arizona if they decide they don't want him i think the raiders and john gruden would probably trade up and get him but then where the next one comes off the board, that's that's the, the, the big question right now, and I think the key to kind of figuring out the top of this draft. And what we've seen in the draft is in the last three years, there have been nine quarterbacks taken in the top 12. In eight of those nine cases, the teams that chose them traded up for those quarterbacks. Right. The only exception was Baker Mayfield. He went number one overall, and so the Browns didn't have to go north at all. So uh, so the, the trend is you identify the quarterback you want, you go get him. So I think that's what's going to come into play, especially with someone like Drew Locke from Missouri, uh, Haskins, who I mentioned, and then Daniel Jones from Duke, who's not exactly a household name but has a lot of fans around the league, and I think he's going to go in the top 20 picks. So uh, we're going to see an early run on quarterbacks. It's just about matching up the, the, the right fits. Uh, and Drew Locke and Dwayne Haskins, they could both go as early as, say, four overall to the Raiders or they could fall potentially out of the top 20 altogether. There's that wide of a range for them going into the draft because there just isn't a consensus on these quarterbacks. Right. And so if 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 it's not the year of the quarterback like it was before, I mean, four is still a lot. 
of quarterbacks. But last year people were talking that many as six could go uh, in the first round and five ended up going uh, in the draft. If, if it's not the year of the quarterbacks where, where teams are pushing each other out of the way to get to these guys, what is the, what is it the year of? Is it the year of depth where you can get decent players deep into the draft or is it the year of the corner or the pass rusher or the linebacker? You know, what are we looking at here? It's the year of the defensive line, and this is another thing we saw coming really a year ago, and it has lived up to all the hype. Uh, just a great defensive crop, and I think looking at my top ten overall, I think seven or eight of them are defensive linemen. Uh, just a, a really uh, impressive crop, and, and no matter what type of player you're looking for, there's something for everyone. So I think that's going to be the story, this, the top of this draft, uh, other than those quarterbacks, is uh, just the, the, how fast and furiously these uh, defensive front seven guys go off the board. And and I think it's so strong that we could see maybe one or two teams in the top half of the first round that we don't necessarily expect to take a pass rusher or a defensive lineman, but they do anyways just because the value and talent is is too great to, to pass on. So uh, no question, uh, any draft, anything discussion about football, it's all about the quarterbacks, but secondarily, it's definitely the defensive line. Uh, in, in, uh, whether it be Nick Bosa from Ohio State, Quentin Williams from Alabama, Josh Allen from Kentucky, uh, we're going to see all three of those guys go in the top five overall. So we're going to see another Josh Allen drafted in the first round this year? Another one, and even higher. Who would have guessed that last year we'd have Josh Allen go number seven overall, and there'd be another Josh Allen who went even higher this year? <laughs> all right, so we're looking at defensive linemen, so pass rushers and interior guys, correct? Yeah, there's a little okay. something for everyone. And four three, three four, if you want a nose tackle, whatever you want, there's something for everybody this year. So who's your top guy as far as defensive lineman? Is it Nick Bosa? I, I think for me it's Nick Bosa from Ohio State, but I think you can make a really good argument for Quentin Williams from Alabama. Uh, I think it's kind of a one A one B type of situation, uh, and I wouldn't be shocked if Williams wound up going ahead of Bosa on draft day just because maybe there's one or two less concerns there but i think if you ask the vast majority of teams around the league who their top two players are it would be those two names in some order so i mean tell me about uh a nick bosa because for me i i mean even though i'm i don't think he has a bad injury past this was a guy that played maybe what four or five games tops had that sports hernia had the surgery and then shut himself down to get ready for this draft and yet people are still talking to him about number one like number one is the ceiling number two is the floor as far as where Nick Bosa is supposed to be going or at least that's been the conversation uh going into the into the draft I mean he is still worth that even though he hasn't played football in a really long time he is and and, and durability is one of those red flags on him that if you're going to look for concerns that would be one of them but he's a heck of a player and uh it feels lazy to compare him to his brother, Joey Bosa, but it's an apt comparison. I mean, they're the same player, except Nick might be an even little better athlete. So if you're saying you're going to get an even better Joey Bosa, that sounds like a top three pick to me. And, and you're right. Everyone kind of talks. And I think the consensus is the expectation is he's going to go to the 49ers at number two overall. But that's not necessarily a given. I think they could very well go with Quentin Williams there for a variety of reasons. And, and then Bosa, if he's available, maybe goes three to the Jets, although I hear they might like Josh Allen. So maybe Bosa slides to four. Uh, we see some some surprises on draft day. That would be one of them. But, but he's going in the top five. Uh, there's no doubt about that. I think his absolute floor would be the Raiders at number four, and, and he could very easily go two or three. Yeah, I, I don't see a way that, that he would get past the Raiders at four because – we didn't get a chance to talk about it last year, but the Raiders pulled the trigger on a pretty big trade last year that kind of benefited me as a Bear fan. And uh, they've got three first-round picks this year, four being the one that they earned with a 4-12 and record last year. They got 24 from the Bears and, what, 27 from the Cowboys or something like that. What do you see them doing with that trio of picks this year? And as a Bears fan, you don't have any buyer's remorse on that Cleo Mack deal. You, don't, you wouldn't give them 24 back for Cleo Mack? No, you know what, man? There was an article that came out not too long ago. Maybe you saw it. It was like somebody from some analytics professional saying that they can already say the Raiders won that trade with the Bears. And after year one, how could you even fathom the idea that the Bears got the worst end of that trade? I mean, I could see how that's an argument maybe five years from now when the picks that the Bears gave up 
become players and maybe salary, you know, salary cap issues because of Khalil Mack's increasing salary and so on and so forth. Maybe in the end, the Raiders could be the winner, but knee jerk reaction to the first year, there's no buyer's remorse from any Bear fan alive right now. Not one. No, absolutely not. And, and, and I have a hard time swallowing that, uh, that, 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 that argument as well. I mean, you can find statistics, shape statistics to tell you anything. I'm sure there's Absolutely, a study out there that yeah. tells you Twinkies are good for you too or something, but <laughs> I'd rather have Cleo Mack. Uh, whatever the question is, I want Cleo Mack. So, yeah. uh, no, a- absolutely a great move for, for the Bears. And uh, for the Raiders, they have a lot of draft capital. Uh, yeah. They can maneuver around on draft day to get the players they want, but they've got work to do. They- they've got issues on both oh, sides of the ball. Yeah. So, I, I don't want to say that they're in a best player available mode, but they kind of are. I think everything is on the table, up to and including quarterback. I do not believe they're married to Derek Carr by any stretch of the imagination. And, yeah. and if I were him, I would have a good real estate agent on speed dial, or at least on, <laughs> in my Rolodex, because I think he's going to be needing it in the next year or so. So they could very easily take a quarterback. I heard him link to, to Drew Locke, uh, whether that's at the top of the draft or maybe later in the first round. Uh, but they need a little bit of everything. They need desperately need a pass rusher. They need a Cleo Mack like type pass rusher. Maybe they can yeah. hope find a, a fraction of that in the draft. So um, I, I, it's going to be a fun draft if you're running the Raiders because you're not locked into certain positions. You can kind of just bring in the best players, and uh, it's going to be fascinating to see what they do. And, and just personally, I'm I'm interested to see how much of an impact my old colleague Mike Mayock has there as the yes. new general manager. Uh, ultimately, I mean, there's no question in my mind, Mike Mayock is not going to be a wallflower and he's going to let his opinions be known. But at the end of the day, John Gruden's the one that's going to make the calls there. And um, and it, it's going to be really interesting to see how it all plays out. But I have a feeling John Gruden's got something up his sleeve for draft day. He's going to make some waves. Right. So let's side, sidestep the actual draft itself. And, and you mentioned Mike Mayock, and let's talk about draft coverage now, I have things I can live with and live without on ESPN, on uh, NFL Network, and the other nine networks they're going to try to throw the draft at this year. You know, Mayock, I, I take Mayock over Kuiper. I don't know how you feel about that, but I think that, that he's going to leave a big hole in, in the NFL Network's coverage. I mean, is is he the right guy to, to be a GM? I mean, we know he's a hell of an evaluator, but actually making the picks is completely different than looking at who should get picked. No question. I mean, it's the ultimate test for somebody in our business to, to go from uh, a- analyzing or reviewing the food to actually making the meals. So, right. yeah, it, it, it's going to be fascinating. And, and you know, I think Mike had been doing that for a long time. He had been rumored for other jobs. I think he was looking for this opportunity to try something new. And and it's a good situation for him. He's going in to work with somebody he knows. or And certainly John Gruden's got more job security than anybody in the league with that contract. So, uh, you know, it, it's it's worth trying. And if it doesn't work out, I'm sure Mike could always go back to NFL Network and be involved in their draft coverage. But as good as Mike was, I think uh, Daniel Jeremiah is going to do an outstanding job as his replacement. And uh, and and personally, no offense to anybody else, I'm just I'm always been a Kuiper guy. I mean, that's the, the draft <laughs> analyst of my youth. That's who I grew up with. That's sure. who I listened to on videotapes as I was falling asleep as a kid, listening to old drafts. So uh, I ride or die with Mel Kuiper, uh, no matter who else is in the conversation. Well, you know, Kuiper was a huge reason why I got into watching draft coverage on television because when you get down to the nuts and bolts of it, is there anything more boring than sitting there watching player the teams pick their players and everything? But in it, 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 it's next Thursday. It's a week from tomorrow, and I know neither of the people in this conversation are going to miss a second of it when it hits the airwaves next week. Uh, you know, but it's it, it's an event. I love watching it. The evaluations. The player reactions, who's going to hug the commissioner and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, and it's in Nashville this year. So how's that crowd going to be compared to Philly and Chicago the years before and Dallas and and so on? It's just, um, you know, I've always been a fan of Kuiper, but I I lean more towards Mayock. So I personally am going to miss him this year. Yeah, and I'm going to miss Mayock, too. I, I, I wind up watching both coverage. I watch one and then I, I put the other one on. So I watch them both sure. back to back. And, uh, yeah, it's a. Uh, it, 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 and, you know, the thing that Mel did is he provided context for the draft because he put these names out there so that the casual fan or, or even draft mix that we could learn and, and we would know when teams were making a mistake. 
And, and in a way, he was the voice of us, too, when he would argue about picks and say, oh, that was way too early. So, um, Mel, I just don't think you can say enough for what people like, not only Mel, but going back to Joel Bucksbaum, people like that did for the draft. Um, hmm. Those guys are, are on my Mount Rushmore. Sure. So we move back, in, back into the draft. And one second, going back to the, the quarterbacks for a second, you know, the, the everybody went from, I think, what, 12 was? Was he this, this the, the floor at, at before, I mean, obviously Jackson went 32, but the first four guys, I think we that happened in the first 10 picks last uh, year. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, yep. Rosen was number 10. Yep. Where do where do you see the 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 spacing in the quarterbacks this year? Do you do you see people trading up to get these guys, or maybe somebody waiting for like a Drew Lock to to land at 17 or 18, whoever's sitting there? I feel good about a couple things with these first round quarterbacks. I think there's gonna be four in the first round. I think Kyler Murray's going one probably to Arizona. And the other thing I feel good about is Daniel Jones from Duke being a fit for the Giants. Not with that first first round pick, the second one they got from uh, the Browns Cleveland, and the Odell yeah. Beckham trade. And uh, I, I think he is very much the type of quarterback they look for. So I feel good about that. Haskins and Locke, I mean, uh, I'm getting ready here in the next week or so to do my final mock draft. And, and that's probably the biggest question I'm facing is where to put those guys because – um, not only is it hard figuring out which teams they're going to end up with, but also where, because the odds tell us, or history tells us, that somebody's probably going to trade up once they identify that they like those guys. And the other thing that's kind of clouding it is the intentions of some of these teams. Uh, we're not sure that some of these quarterback-needy teams are looking to go a quarterback in the first round. The Broncos, I mean, John Elway's doing everything he can to convince everybody that he's relatively happy with Joe Flacco. To me, if I'm the Broncos, priority one, two, and three is finding a young quarterback. And everything <laughs> I've heard going back to the Senior Bowl is he really likes Drew Locke. But I wouldn't be shocked if he passed on Locke and targeted uh, one of those second-tier signal callers. Uh, the Miami Dolphins at 13, there's talk that they could just essentially tank this year, for lack of a better word, and wait for next year's quarterback crop. Even the Washington Redskins, I, I don't think they're – I think they feel better about – Case Keenum and Colt McCoy than, than they probably should or most uh, others do. So mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't be surprised if one or two or even three of those teams I just talked about don't take quarterbacks in the first round, which would throw everything kind of for a loop. But yeah. I, I think the, the weakness of this quarterback class, along with the perceived what we think is going to be the strength of next year's quarterback class, with Tua Tagovailoa from, uh, from Alabama, right. with Justin Herbert from Oregon, with Jake Fromm from Georgia – I think some of these teams are, are, are reading ahead a little bit in the book and uh, and thinking, you know, we don't want to get too invested in one of these guys who we don't have a conviction on when there might be something better coming along a year from now. And, and my argument for that would be take one both years. Take a guy this year, and if you don't like it and you have a better option next year, take him then too because worst case, you invest two, two first-round picks to get a good quarterback, that's cheap. So so if I were these teams, I'd, I, that I would be in the quarterback market this year and next year, but uh, – but that's something to watch out for. Don't be surprised if these teams that we think need quarterbacks and are going to take quarterbacks don't take quarterbacks. Scott Wright will have on his gravestone, you can never pay too much for a franchise quarterback. That's going to be on your tombstone when you pass away someday. I just know that. I'll wait that's for somebody right. to prove me wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, of course. Now, t- talk to me about a position that is kind of fluid for the Bears. It's kind of up in the air. It's it's We, we, we don't pick until 87 and the pick and the the need, if you will, uh, in most Bear fans' eyes, would be running back, especially after we traded away Jordan Howard. So, I mean, talk to me about this running back class and and, and who is out there. Is anybody going in the first round? And if it's somebody's going in the first round, is anybody going in Leonard Fournette territory somewhere in the top ten? Yeah, and one of the worst kept secrets in the league, of course, was the Bears wanted to uh, upgrade from Jordan Howard, and they moved on yeah. from him. And we have to see what the second step of that is. Uh, this running back class, it, it, no question, who's at the top? It's Josh Jacobs from Alabama, um, just a, a real good all-around player. Uh, he's five five ten, two twenty, not blazing fast, but he plays fast. He can catch a ball in the backfield. Uh, the question with him is just basically a one-year wonder. He played, he didn't kind of emerge until just this past year, and and only 120 carries this past season playing in that rotation at Alabama. Just for oh, some wow. context, Kyler Murray, the quarterback at Oklahoma, carried the ball 140 times this year. 
So, so Josh Jacobs, on one hand, he's inexperienced, but on the other hand, not a lot of tread on those tires. So right. I think if, if a running back's going to go in the first round, there's no question it's going to be Jacobs. And I give him, you know, maybe 60%, 70% chance going later in the first round. I have him going to the Raiders in my most recent mock draft. Then there's a pretty big drop-off. I think the next guy will be Miles Sanders from Penn State. Another year, one-year wonder, although he had a pretty good excuse. He had some guy named Saquon Barkley ahead of him. Yeah. Uh, which prevented him from getting the lineup. But uh, a guy who has had a lot of buzz since the season ended as people started really getting into the tape has had strong pre-draft process. And I think he's probably going to be top 50, top 75 overall, uh, mm. mid to late round two, early round three. Then after that, I, I think you could probably take the next six, seven, eight guys and throw them in a hat and shake them up and you're going to get similar value. So uh, the Bears are pr- in a pretty good position where, you know, they could get a, a starting caliber runner later in the third round or, Honestly, I think they could even wait another round or two after that and, and get a pretty similar type of value. But if they, if they want to make sure they address the need and get the guy they want, I think they're pretty well positioned there at, uh, I believe, number 87 overall to get someone. Yeah. Maybe Daryl Henderson from Memphis uh, is a guy that's been linked to them. Uh, and that's another position where there's a little something for everybody depending on what type of player you want. How about Montgomery from Iowa State? Yeah, and a really good player, a guy who's who didn't set the world on fire with his workouts, uh, ran in the four six range, uh, but but very productive, uh, a true, proved to be a, a workhorse there for Iowa State, and also a really good pass catcher out of the backfield, which goes a long way. So, uh, arguably, other than Jacobs, as well rounded of a running back prospect in this draft, even though he's not necessarily the most physically talented. So you're Ryan Pace, you're sitting at 87. Now, I mean, this is the impossible task here as far as, like, who are the first 86 players going to be and who's going to be there at 87 uh, for the Bears? I mean, do you have any idea what they might be looking at at that point? I mean, I know that you do a three-round mock draft when you do one. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, if you're picking for the Bears at 87, who falls to them in Scott Wright's universe? And it's tough, and because of there's so much at the mercy of what happens ahead of them, I don't right. think they can go too far down the road of locking themselves into doing one thing or another. Uh, you know, they're gonna have a short pecking order. My guess is it'll either be a running back or a defensive back, whether it be a corner or safety. I think those are kind of the three areas, and there should be good value at all three of those spots. But I think they got to kind of just see how it goes, and and that's the thing I mentioned about a running back. If they don't get one in the third round, they have a fourth and fifth round pick, and they could get probably a similar value. So if there's a corner or safety that they like a lot better than any of the running backs available at that point, I don't think they should hesitate passing on a runner and, and coming back. Uh, they got Tariq Cohen, I believe, what was it last year, the fourth or fifth round. So time has shown, we've seen time and time again, that you can get productive runners uh, at basically any point in the draft, and, and this year is going to be no exception. Yeah, you kind of have to be that that very special Saquon Barkley type player to be a top five pick and not like it used to be when when you know running backs were basically only to first 10 top 10 uh choices uh and such yeah and and as as good as Saquon Barkley was as a rookie I mean where where did he get the Giants they're picking the top 10 of the draft and they still don't have a quarterback right. uh so I mean I, I my case at the time was I would have taken Sam Darnold and, and and I certainly haven't changed my mind and but for for whatever reason, they they like them some Eli Manning, and and I would not be shocked if they didn't take a quarterback in the first round this year, even though they had those two first rounders. Yeah. So let's talk about skill positions, uh, because I'm not really hearing anything about wide receivers this year. I'm actually hearing more about tight ends than wide receivers this year. Is, is that the same? Is that am I even accurate in hearing that kind of thing? Yeah, uh, if you lumped them all together, the best prospect of the bunch would definitely be a tight end. It would be TJ Hawkinson from Iowa, who's going to go, I think, in the top 10, uh, worst case, top 12 overall. Uh, But this wide receiver class, it it lacks uh, the elite talent at the top, but really good depth. Uh, We had a a record number of underclassmen come out yet again, and not only did we break the record, we blew it all the water. And, And one of the positions that was a real beneficiary of that is wide out. To the point where you know the average is uh, on a yearly basis is 32 receivers chosen. If we blow that out of the water and go up to say 38, even on the very high end of the spectrum, there's still going to be 10 guys that people are their minds are blown. Oh, how did this guy not get drafted? So 
Um, I, I think that's going to be the position where we see the most surprises and and also the most value uh, on the third day of the draft. So um, the, I, I wouldn't be shocked if we only saw one wide receiver go in the first round. I yeah. think Marquise Brown from Oklahoma, that's maybe DK Metcalf from Ole Miss, although I don't know that Metcalf is as highly thought of around the league as he is by the media and draft picks. So I wouldn't be shocked if he's still there on day two. But then day two is where you're going to see a big run. Uh in the second and third round, you're going to see Nikhil Harry from Arizona State, A.J. Brown from Ole Miss, Paris Campbell from Ohio State. I could go on and on. So so that's where I think the value is going to be in the sweet spot if you need a receiver. Uh, and a bunch of teams at the top of round two need a wideout. So uh, I think that's where we're going to see that run start. And, you know, one of the, the concerns for me as a, as a Bear fan is um, – you know we're we're pretty set at, at at corner. We got some decent ones there. We we signed uh, Clinton Dix and and uh, we have Eddie Jackson. So it's just about maybe finding another a guy or a depth person. But you know like our our roster like the starting twenty two is set and we are in pretty good position there. It's depth where I'm concerned and most concern would be on the offensive line interior especially because the top two interior guys that we had both signed ironically with the Cleveland Browns. Uh, this year, so both Cush uh, and um, the other guy, whose name is eluding yeah. me at the moment, he signed with the uh, the Browns as well. You know, thinking in the fourth, fifth round, is there anybody in that area, offensive line, guard, tackle, hybrid guy that would be somebody the Bears might be looking at at that point? Well, and this is a really easy answer for me, especially because we're talking about the Bears and because their offensive line coach, Harry Heastand, used to be at Notre Dame. And sure. I, I think one of the, the sleepers of this draft is Notre Dame offensive guard Alex Bars. Uh, he, he got hurt. He only played three, four games this season before suffering a knee injury. But he's he's supposedly, I think, two or three months ahead of schedule on his rehab. And before that injury, he was playing at a early-round level. I think had he kept up that pace – he would be being talked about as a second or third round pick. So that's the guy you're going to be able to get on day three who you know is talented. He, he was on the upswing. He can actually play tackle in a pinch too, but probably bets, fits best at guard. You know he was well coached by Heastan. Um, and, and you know that we saw the success that Quentin Nelson and Mike McGlinchey had immediately. Yeah. You know he's going to translate. So, so to me, he has the potential to be one of the values of this draft. So if I'm the Chicago Bears and nobody knows this better than Harry Heastand and, and guys like uh, Quentin Nelson and McGlinchey are, are advocating for bars too. So, so those are, are, are pretty good recommendations. So that would absolutely be the guy. If I'm the Bears on day three, I'm trying to find a way to get Alex Bars on my team. Sure. Um, two guys I want to ask about specifically. Um, one, I went to uh, Western Illinois uh, University, and there's a guy, a defensive tackle. Yes, yes, indeed. Um, he is um, – I've heard about him more after the season than I did actually during the season because of first with the backflip video and, and, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Colin Sanders, you corrected me on his name. Saunders, excuse me. Colin Saunders, a defensive tackle from the Leathernecks. And, uh, you know, I, from what I heard, he had a good combine. And this is a guy that can probably come off the board, say, somewhere around the third round or so? Yeah, I think so. Worst case, fourth. But to me, he's a top 100 pick all day long. One of my personal favorite prospects in this draft. And, uh, and, and he was all along has been considered one of the top small school prospects in this draft, but really proved he belonged during the Senior Bowl week. Just consistently impressed throughout and there was a stretch in the game where he was downright dominant i i was, he was actually, mvp wasn't he I, I was actually doing the radio broadcast of the game oh, and nice. and i think there was a stretch where i called his name on like four or five different plays i was like I, and i think i even said a lot i was like i gotta quit mentioning saunders on every play but he's just eating this guy's lunch and just such mm-hmm. a, a unique physical specimen one of those guys where you see his body type and it, it's unique you, you don't see guys like that every day uh, I think back to seeing Brandon Williams who of course has had a, a terrific career with the Ravens so far along those lines he, he's squatty but so thick he, he's six foot and three eighths 324 pounds but he's so athletic he ran just above a five flat he can do backflips. Uh, of yeah. course, that was on social media, and, he, and the coaches had him doing it on the field after practice down in Mobile. Um, just an impressive guy. And, and actually, I don't know if you had heard, during the Senior Bowl week, he actually had his child 
it, yes. It, while yeah. doing that, and he stayed down there and, and continued working. So you got to love that dedication. And 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 you know everyone was asking him about it, and he's like, hey, I'm doing this for my new daughter. Uh, I'm working hard so she can have a better life, and uh, you, you got to love that. So I love me some Colin Saunders, and like I said, he's going to be a top 100 player on my board. And if he doesn't go in the top 100, it's going to be very shortly thereafter. Sure, sure. And the other player I wanted to ask about, and this is just my own personal fascination, was with Bryce Love. Now, this is a guy, a running back, was, what, second in the Heisman voting uh, in 2017, probably would have been a higher pick, a first-round pick, if he had come out last year. And now this is a guy that, that might not make it out of day two as, as a pick because of uh, his senior year did not go the way that uh, he was banking on uh, when he decided to stay in school. Yeah, and, and I don't think he would have been a first-round pick last year. I think he probably would have been more of a second or a third. But as okay. you said, the senior year did not go as he had hoped was dinged up all year long and then late in the year suffered a major knee injury. And I think he's going to be available on day three. Maybe somebody takes him at the end of round three with a compensatory pick or something, but I think more likely he's going to be a fourth or a fifth round pick. Uh, but you go back to the junior tape and, and there's a lot to like. He, he's a very fast, he's, he's an explosive athlete. So, so maybe he ends up being a value uh, on day three. And, and that's one of those cases. It's like, well, I don't know. Do I want to take a running back that I'm lukewarm on in round two or round three, or do I want to wait and, and see who falls in my lap? And, that's the other thing. Running backs tend to slide in the draft. You always can get one a round or two later than you thought they'd be available. And and I think Bryce Love could end up being one of those cases. Yeah, it was just kind of, you know, this, you know, one of the best players in college football a couple of years ago that basically f- fell off the map last year as far as the national uh, picture uh, is concerned. And, I mean, you know, just one of those players that you were like, you know, kind of like um, it was a quarterback from Louisville. Um, years ago, like if he'd have come out, he would probably would have been the number one pick in the draft. He decided to stay, and I didn't think he got drafted the year after that or something like Brian that. Brom? Yes, Brom, that's the one. <laughs> yep, got like, drafted by the Packers, and I think late in the second round the following year. Yeah, and he would have been a top five pick had he come out the year before and uh, decided to stick around, and it didn't quite work out for him. And he, you know, he never, he didn't really have much of a career in the NFL because of it. So, and those uh, are the two risks when you go back to your senior year. With Brom, it was a case of he got put under the microscope, and more flaws were exposed, and it gave everybody more time to to really evaluate him. And the other risk factor going back is injuries, and that's what what got Bryce Love. So, so those are the two things you worry about when you go back for your senior season. So speaking of uh, of which, um, Herbert from from Oregon mm-hmm. would have been one of the top quarterbacks in this draft had he come out. Do you see that as being a possibility for him at Oregon, or is this a guy that's going to increase his stock if that's possible? I think he made a good choice. I was not as high on him as a lot of people, and uh, especially off my summer film study from last year. That now there are flashes, absolutely, where he flashes high in talent, but it's just not nearly consistently enough for my taste and and had he be in this class now we have a lot more information on these other guys so it's kind of hard to say but i'm i'm inclined to say i would have him as my fourth or fifth quarterback in this draft so uh so yeah i I think he made the right decision going back and and even going into next year he's got a lot of hype but i wouldn't be surprised i think tua tag viola is going to be the top quarterback pick i think Fromm has a good chance to go ahead of herbert so um, yeah, I, I don't think he's one of those guys that you can automatically pencil in as he's going to be the number one pick next year. This is an Andrew Luck type of prospect. Um, very talented, and I absolutely think he's got a chance to be a top 10 to 15 overall pick, but um, but not even guaranteed to be necessarily one of the top two quarterbacks next year from what I've seen. Uh, I think he really needs to take a step this year. Okay. Now, a couple more questions, and I'll let you go because you're a busy man. And um, number one, I think we've talked about this before, but I always like to hear what uh what is draft day like for scott wright i mean because um i think we've talked about it before where i asked you how you felt about the primetime draft and now it's three days instead of two and and you know how does that affect your you know it would be saturday at 11 now it's thursday at 7 p.m and and all that kind of stuff but you know for someone like you this is christmas for you this is your super bowl how does scott wright handle it how does it go down for scott Wright? are you in solitude you have a bunch of friends around you how does it go for you uh and and i absolutely not do not have friends around me that would drive me nuts <laughs> <laughs> I, I go into complete draft dork mode i have my nice. big boards i you know i cross off the players as they're drafted and and i take notes and i form opinions for what i'm going to write up my reviews and analysis but uh 
but no, I, I really, once the draft starts, I, I just kind of enjoy it and try to soak it all in. And, uh, and, and I love the new format. I love having more time in between the, the days and the rounds to kind of look back at what happened and look forward at, at what might happen. So, uh, but no, I, I just, uh, I, I truly do just become a fan of the draft once it starts. And, uh, I, one of the, the drawbacks to do what I do is, is I've, I've become friends with people in the league and, and you know, the league is way ahead of the television broadcast. They're five, ten picks ahead. Oh, yeah. And yeah. I want the surprise. My pet peeve is people tipping picks. I stay away from social media. I want to hear the commissioner. So a few years ago, I had a buddy who, before, a few minutes before every pick, he would text me what it was going to be. And it was driving me nuts. I eventually had to block his number. I was like, that's it. Uh, so so I love the surprise <laughs> and the suspense of draft day. I, I do my best to... To, to not hear what's going to happen. I, I, I want to have see what my reaction is going to be when Denzel Ward goes number four or Mitchell Trubisky goes number three, whatever the two, two excuse me, almost number, number two. three. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I love those surprises on draft day. That, that's what makes draft day so much fun for me. Okay. So then another question, as far as your watching experience, one of the things that I absolutely enjoy about day two and day three and absolutely detest at the same time is the, the old school players coming in and making the picks because somehow we are some we it takes forever for the draft to catch up to itself essentially you know we got guys coming out here and and you know the the process is taking so long that we're four picks behind like we're announcing a pick that you know we're we're four picks behind where we're supposed to be or even more uh, at times does that make you crazy uh, as well, like the actual picks are being made, but they're being announced 10, 15 minutes before they actually, uh, before the cards were actually sent in. Yeah, it's not so much who's announcing the picks. It's just, uh, especially when you get later in the draft, it's just a lack of talking about the picks. Right. Uh, it, it's like they yeah, just cherry right. pick. And, and, and I mean, for most people, that's fine. I mean, they want to hear about the big name players, but, but for the diehard draft dorks like me, I, I want to hear them mention something about every single pick. But that's the great thing about this day and age of being a draft Nick is, there's so many other options available. Uh, you can go on social media, you can go on message boards, and I'll give a, a plug to my colleagues over at the Draft Network, Kyle Krabs and those guys. They're doing a live stream where they're and they actually talk about every single pick. The novelty of talking about the picks that are being made during the draft. So, so that, that's the nice thing. If there if there's something you're not getting from the the mainstream coverage, there's other options nowadays. So, so there there's something for everyone. But but yeah, I, I totally totally agree with you too. It's like I wish they'd keep it on track a little bit more and and, and uh, stay on topic, I guess. Yeah, and the other thing I wish they would do is for uh, like I curse uh, uh, David Akers for going out and doing the trash talking the year that it was in Philadelphia where he's talking trash to the people in Dallas because now every old school player tries to come out and do something, some version of that and rile up the crowd uh, and everything just because they want to try to one-up uh, what he did. It's like, just make the pick and go sit down, all right, please? This this is not your moment. It's the player's name that you're calling. It's his moment, not yours. So just go sit down. But um, finally, one thing I want to ask is that you know, and I don't think I've ever asked you this before, is that, you know, after the draft is done, you sit down, you look at the picks made, you look at the needs and, and, and where they were, you know, who would, what they were addressed, how they were addressed, when they were addressed, and you give each team a grade. Mm -hmm. So here we are. It's only been a year, but, I mean, is there anybody who, like, you came in, like, you absolutely loved their draft, and now a year later after seeing what that class gave them, their grade is on the other end of the spectrum? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know if I have an answer for that off the top of my head. Uh, you know what? Uh, Buffalo, just because, and, and I, I'm just thinking of like the top picks here, just going, Josh Allen was more impressive as a rookie than I kind of expected him to be. Uh, okay. I mean, we, we knew how talented Josh Allen was in terms of how strong his arm was, how, how good of an athlete he was for a guy that size, but during the season watching him, he had a smoother transition than I thought he would. And, and he didn't put up insane numbers or, or lead them to crazy amount of wins, but, but he didn't, he didn't look overmatched. And, and I guess that's the thing I was worried about, about coming from Wyoming w was, would, would it be a huge adjustment for him? So, so I'm more enthused about Josh Allen now than I guess I was maybe a year ago. Uh, and, and they had a good draft too. Their second pick, Tremaine Adams, still one of the younger players in his class. And, uh, so I, I think the Bills did a really good job, but I mean, just by the virtue of being more impressed with Josh Allen, I think I like that draft more. So that's the one that kind of stands out off the top of my head. I don't know if there's anybody that I look back at and say, oh, they just did awful. Um, 
Yeah, no, I, I feel pretty good. I, 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 that, that's the one that kind of stands out. I, I'd have to look into it deeper, but, uh, but yeah, I, I, I think the Bills. I feel good about that Josh Allen pick. I, uh, that, that's probably the player that my, I don't want to say my opinions change, but my optimism levels change the most on, with sure. the mo- new information in the last year. Right. How about the Giants? I mean, I know Saquon exceeded ex or met at the very least he met expectations last year, if if not exceeding them, but. You know, when when you and I talked last year, I remember you and I very much liked what the Giants did, especially in the first three rounds or so. How did that class end up doing for them? Yeah, and, and Will Hernandez, you know, I'm in Minnesota here, and I, I'm going to die on the hill that the Vikings should have chose Will Hernandez with that late right. first-round pick. Nothing against Mike Hughes, who's a good cornerback, but when your quarterback is Kirk Cousins, you got to protect him, and <laughs> Hernandez was a gift sitting there. But, uh, but Saquon Barkley, you know, I mentioned earlier, yeah, he had, he basically was everything they could have hoped he would have been, and it's still they're picking the top ten in the draft. They have no plan of succession at quarterback, and let's play this out the next couple of years with Saquon. He's already going into year two of his rookie contract. By the time he gets at most, you got him for five years, so you're going to burn up basically at the first half of his rookie contract uh without a long-term quarterback without a a long-term plan seemingly in place so then after three years you're going to hit the reset button and start all over that's why you don't use a pick like that on a running back when you don't have a quarterback but i digress right okay (laughs) well scott uh thanks so much uh for for coming back on the show we always enjoy uh, uh having you and uh you know look forward to to talking to you and of course i look forward to talking to you again in about two weeks time after the draft has already taken place we'll sit back and we'll evaluate and who went where and where they're surprised because that's the one thing i actually do enjoy about the draft and and the 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 intrigue of sitting down the trades that are going to be made how shocked you know this player getting drafted like you know like when the the Jaguars took Bortles, who saw that coming, and you know things like that, um, you know who somebody that gets drafted you've never heard of before, and uh, and things like that. So uh, and who's going to take look, the seventh rounder and the third round? I, yes, I, those are exactly. the surprises that, that, that I love draft day, and and that's part of the fun of the process too. You know that there there isn't any right or wrong answer. There's a lot of different opinions, and 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 you know some teams are going to have uh, 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 opinions that are, don't line up with everyone else. Right. So look forward to talking to you about that in, in a couple of weeks. We'll bring you back. We'll evaluate this draft and uh, see where it all settled when the smoke cleared. All right. We'll talk to you then. All right. Scott Wright uh, at Draft Countdown on Twitter, DraftCountdown.com uh, as well. Thanks so much, Scott. My pleasure. Anytime. Scott Wright from DraftCountdown.com, a good friend that goes all the way back to my sports talk underground days with my buddy Ryan Simmons. I think the first time we had him on the show was 2006, 2007. It was two, it was 2007. It was the uh, Jamarcus Russell draft. That was the first time we had uh, Scott Wright on the show, and I, I brought him back when I started doing interviews uh, on the show back in 2015. We go way back, and uh, Scott's always a great sport and always uh, generous with his time uh, when I ask him to come on the show, so I appreciate that. Looking forward to having him back on a cup in a couple of weeks, like I said before. It's actually the conversation I'm more looking forward to so he can give us the, the 411 on the guys that we pick and um, you know what, what kind of uh, players we got on our hands on and uh, so on and so forth. So looking forward to that. Wanted to apologize real quick. The quality of the audio on the interview, not the greatest, and here's why. It, and the reason I tell you is because it's actually good news. The good news is, not that the audio was not good, the good news is why the audio was not good, and the audio was not good because I got a new laptop. So I did get a new laptop, which meant I had to download all my programs and softwares and all that kind of stuff back onto the computer again. And when I downloaded my Skype recorder back on, I had it on the wrong setting as far as like the kind of file I wanted it to be. So when I had to have it converted in the audio software, you know, when I was editing it together, it didn't come out great after it got done converting to the to the correct size. But I found the problem. I got it fixed. So when we have Scott right back on in a couple of weeks it won't sound like uh, it's coming out of a tin can or a transistor radio. So, But the good news is 
The reason that mistake was made was because I had to download my programs back onto my new laptop. So problem solved. And as you guys know, there were no buffs, no anything. I mean, even though the audio didn't sound great, the the uh, the Skype problems were non-existent. None of that uh, low quality signal or any of that nonsense that plagued us uh, last year uh, in the interviews. So got the new in, uh, got the new laptop got the settings corrected on the Skype recorder so I'm all good to go going forward no more interviews are going to sound like that uh, so there you go uh, anyway that is uh, that is uh, going to do it for the uh, 2019 draft preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground we'll be back in a few days I'm going to get hard at work uh, tomorrow when I get home uh, when I get home from work and uh, my weekend is going to be dedicated to uh, putting the schedule together to, to take my own look at the schedule, analyze it, see what storylines we can pull from it. Like everyone keeps talking about how the Bears against the Raiders in London is a revenge game. I don't know why I don't know why Khalil Mack would be looking for revenge. I think maybe the Raiders would be looking for revenge more so than Khalil Mack would. Khalil got exactly what he wanted. He got a team that made him feel wanted. He got paid. He was the highest paid defensive player. I think he still is, actually. I don't think anyone's topped his contract just yet. I'm sure that day is coming, but uh, nonetheless, I don't see how it's a revenge uh, game for Khalil Mack. I think it's more a revenge game for for John Gruden and, and the Raiders because they were made to look like fools for making that trade and letting one of the best defensive players of this generation get away. Like He's a future Hall of Famer, there's no doubt. So I think maybe the revenge is more for them than it is for us, but we'll talk about that and so many, so much more when we break down the schedule on the schedule release show uh, coming at the latest, at the latest on Monday. So uh, tune back in uh, for that. If you've got any uh, thoughts, questions, opinions, feel free to hit me up on Facebook, on the, um, the Bearstalk Underground Facebook group, or on Twitter at BTU underscore Larry. So that's going to do it. I'm going to go ahead and get on out here. Y'all enjoy your weekends and getting ready for the draft and so on and so forth. Until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been the Bears Talk Underground. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact.